Welcome to Atypical, an offbeat take on news in the addiction recovery field. I'm co-host Mary Crocker-Cook from the San Jose City College Alcohol and Drug Studies Program. Be sure and subscribe. Cool, our seventh program. Uh, and I'm Gary Montreza, uh, Executive Director of Pathway Society in San Jose. Our purpose is to both educate and entertain with recent news stories about the addiction field. We've set our podcast up in sections that include drugs, news, and ethics challenge, and prevention. In fact, Mary, let's get us started with our first segment, why would you use that to get high? Okay. I would surprise you with first some listener feedback. Oh, if listener you don't feedback. Mind, if you don't mind. There's a okay. few things from our podcast. Okay. So here, here's the first one. Uh, Mary, love the show, except the other host, dump them. No. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No. Very, very good. Mary, <laughs> love the show and love your humor. The other guy, not so much. You'll do better on your own. But that's, Trust me, dear. Love mom. That's terrible. I can't make it up. And then uh, oh. we we do have an opening letter that we got. Oh, okay. It's kind of official. Oh, all uh, right. It says to the atypical podcast from the lofts is argumentum at ignorantium. Oh. Dear podcast people, <laughs> this loft has been retained by trailer. <laughs> He never goes away. He speaks on a recent podcast about opioid addiction on the trading floor. The purpose of this letter is to, man- is to demand and desist from insisting my client, Mr. Laird, was raised with privilege and wealth. In fact, Mr. Laird was raised one block off of Central Park. In he was not driven by a chauffeur to school, but rather his nanny. His nanny. He did not attend his first choice private school. Instead, he was forced to attend his second choice private school. Oh. A decision that left an enduring trauma in That's terrible. Poor, and that he calculates costs Ray. several million dollars of lost income over his life. Oh. In short, Mr. Laird did not have a rough upbringing. <laughs> Therefore, any suggestions by the atypical podcast host, <laughs> affiliates, or advertisers that Mr. Laird had it, quote, easy, unquote, growing up, will be met with further legal action. Sincerely, legal counsel for trade. Okay, our first threat. We love you, Trey. We our, love you. We love you, Trey. Think our first threat letter. You know, yeah. one, one, <laughs> once again, your intolerance for inequality has gotten us in trouble. It is. Go, go, Trey. Go, go, Trey. Go, Trey. Sorry. So, hey, <laughs> so that may be high, but there's other things that people oh, use. Oh, okay. All right. And we always ask, why would they use that? And you get high. Okay. Okay. The first one is, well, flacca. Flacca. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? No, I do not know. I didn't know this flacca. one either. And I. I don't know. I, I won't give you a really foolish joke. I was going to say, but it sounds like my grandfather, my grandfather. <laughs> you giving me flacca? No, 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 no. Don't, don't hit me, Grandpa. No. no, he didn't do that. He's a very peaceful man. Okay, so here we go. What is this stuff? Well, it's this, it's a designer class drug. Okay. Um, it's it's new, as you you were correct. Uh, synthetic, very close to methamphetamine. Oh. Um, however, it has a higher propensity for addiction. Um, for anyone that is, you know, tempted to use it. So Higher it's than that? worse than, ooh, than ooh, what's so that? It's a stimulant. It's um, in the class of cathinode, I guess, is what it's called. Um, and these are chemicals that are from a plant. I don't know if you know the name of the plant. No. It's called cat. Cat? Yeah. K-H. Oh. A-T. Okay. Cat. Cat. Uh, and it's in the Middle East and Somalia. Where okay. The leaves are, are chewed for euphoric buds, which um, okay. sounds kind of 
Okay. Well, actually, they do that in um, uh, in Colombia with the mm. with the cocaine leaves yeah. because they have to farm uphill. Yeah. And it helps them with the uh, elevation. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I won't get into that. So, um, anyhow, people that use flaca, um, well, it's they have bizarre and uncontrollable behavior. Okay. Um, since it's a new drug, the National Institutes of Health really don't have a lot of. They don't have their finger on it yet. Okay. Really, uh, is it even illegal yet? It's illegal. Oh, it is illegal. It's not okay. a good thing. Um, they call it flaca because I guess they're trying to. These guys are trying to brand these things now that make them sound kind of cool. Oh, okay. So, so they're drugs. thinking about the marketing. The, the, the marketing. Yeah. Okay. So apparently, this stuff floods your dopamine, of course, and it makes you really happy. And as you know, dopamine's a neurotransmitter. Yep. It helps regulate our brain. Um, gives you an intense feeling of euphoria. So here's some of the, the short-term effects, um, which are similar to cocaine and amphetamine. So euphoric sensations, rapid heartbeat and palpitations, increased heart you know, pressure or blood pressure. Alertness, aggressive behavior, which I believe sounds like my commute every morning. Yeah. I'm just going to not comment. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's, that's like you on could, a Monday. Could be any commute I've been on. In, 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 uh, so <laughs> uh, they, they didn't have yelling in here, but I guess okay. that's aggressive behavior. So really the idea here is it's like any other uh, methamphetamine or amphetamine. Uh -huh. Once you have had it, you want it, you okay. want it to keep going. So the tolerance develops uh, pretty quickly. Okay. And you you and you want more of it, like quick. Well, okay. A lot of it. Wow. So body temperature goes down. Uh, this is again like the bath salts. Oh it's yeah. Similar in some regards to that. Okay. You, your, your body can cease to do its regulatory function, and you can die that way. Oh dear. Muscle breakdown. Um, the worst part of this, nastiest part, is uh, renal failure, which is kidney failure. Oh wow. So that's not very cool. And since they don't know yet what's going on, that there's no real definitive research on how much damage it can do to your brain in the long mm -hmm. term. Mm -hmm. um, dependence, again, like I just said, highly um, addictive. And uh, I would wow. just say, yeah, rats. That just, sounds pretty nasty. I'm starting to test some things on rats. Yeah, poor rats. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Flocka, stay away from it. Nastiness. Including you, Trey. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going to shift to our, our new section, News in Addiction. Okay, and I, I came across some uh, two related things that I wanted to share with you because they kind of got my attention. One of them was that a study links drug maker gifts for doctors to more overdose deaths. Oh my. Okay, this was a new study that found that counties where opioid manufacturers offered a large number of gifts and payments to doctors had more overdose deaths involving the drugs than counties where direct to physician marketing is less aggressive. So this came out um, in the Journal of American Medicine and said the industry spent about $40 million promoting opioid medications to nearly 68,000 doctors from uh, 2013 to 2015, included paying for meals, trips, and consulting fees. And it found that for every three additional payments that companies made to doctors for 100,000 people in a county, overdose deaths involving prescription opiates there a year later were 18% higher. Wow. So roughly one in 12 doctors received this opiate-related marketing, which includes one in five family practitioners. 20%. Okay. Now, the weakness of the study is they can't always differentiate between overdose deaths involving painkillers that are prescribed versus illicitly acquired. But it does, uh, even still, prescription opiates remain involved in one-third of all opiate overdose deaths, and commonly the first medications people encounter 
before transitioning to heroin or fentanyl. So basically, it was more highly concentrated in counties in the Northeast, the Midwest at the lowest concentration. Now, this was interesting. The author said they were particularly struck by the fact that the number of marketing interactions with doctors, such as frequent free meals, was more strongly associated with overdose deaths than the amount spent. No kidding. So each meal is associated with more and more prescriptions. He said that while pharmaceutical company payments to doctors seem to have started dropping, the practice of buying meals for doctors is alive and well. So I think what seems to be less important is the amount of money spent, the author says, compared to the number of interactions. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's scary. Yeah, that's really scary. And it's interesting in terms of how, how, and I can think about this even as a therapist, because over the years I've been to these kind of you know, free lunches and mm-hmm. meals and things like that. And it's, you know, it's true that the more frequently you encounter um, the organization, the more, you know, uh, trustworthy they seem to be. Or, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. your defenses kind of go down the yeah. way. You're not skeptical. Exactly. You don't ask as many questions. It sounds like lobbying in Congress, actually. It's, it's very much. <laughs> I had to bring it up. <laughs> we can't even get, what, three minutes in. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, it is like lobbying in Congress, only it's lobbying with doctors. With doctors and our health. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was that was interesting. That if, I thought it was interesting they even did that study. Yeah. You know? Well, the correlation is starting. Yeah, yeah. It's a real correlation. So you and I need to be on the on, on the skeptical train next time we get invited to a free lunch. I know. I know. I need to Who exactly is paying for this I know. Thing? And I, I am very aware of that. Okay. You know, give us gifts. Okay, well, here's the related article that California doctors are alarmed as state links their opioid prescriptions to death. Um, about a year ago, Dr. Ako Ch- uh, Chacinto of San Francisco returned home from traveling to find a letter from the state medical board um, awaiting him. The letter explained that a patient he treated died in 2012 from taking a toxic cocktail of methadone and Benadryl, and he was the doctor who wrote the patient's last prescription for methadone. He had two weeks to respond with a written summary of the care he provided and a certified copy of the patient's medical record. He faced fines of a thousand a day if he did not comply. I was horrified, Jacinto said. He hadn't known the patient had died. I became overwrought with sadness, and I was really just surprised that this happened to this patient. Uh, This letter was more than of a 500 sent to doctors in recent years throughout the state, part of the California Medical Board's death certificate project. Um, It typically investigates doctors in response to patient complaints, but with this project proactively collected almost 3,000 death certificates of people who died of opioid overdoses and cross-referenced those with the state's drug prescription database. So investigators are going back three years to identify any doctors who may have prescribed the drugs inappropriately, even if it was not the fatal dose, and send them letters. Doctors who are found to violated the state law and face public uh, reprimand, probation. They could even, uh, Gary, lose their medical licenses. Now, here's why this is sort of weird. It wasn't until 2016 that the CDC issued guidelines for prescribing opioids, telling the doctors to start with low dosages and increase slowly, and when possible, use ibuprofen instead. But mm. back in 2012, doctors like Jethink, though, were being admonished to never leave a patient in pain. The California Medical Board's own guidelines from 2013 advised doctors that for certain types of pains, opiates were the cornerstone of treatment and should be pursued vigorously. It actually says that no physician 
will receive disciplinary action for prescribing opioids to patients with intractable pain, Jacinto said. Now, the medical board is using death certificates from that same period to go back and discipline these doctors. Now, interestingly, Jacinto, uh, in the last six years since his patient died, has totally revamped his practice. Um, he saw the opioid uh, crisis coming. Um, and so he switched gears, went back into training, and he's now an addiction specialist. Oh, nice. So he says if they're looking for clinicians who are overprescribing, I'm the wrong doctor. <laughs> See, the executive director of the medical board says medical investigators take career changes like this into account. They review medical records according to the standard of care in place at the time. Uh, we understand just because a patient has overdosed, that doesn't mean the care and treatment provider is not appropriate, but the board is only punishing doctors who actually broke the law, a clear and repeated pattern of inappropriate prescribing without form, uh, performing a history, mm -hmm. no medical or physical exam, no testing. In fact, some doctors didn't even provide informed consent. They don't have treatment plans or objectives. They Jeez. just kept prescribing and prescribing. So you would never be able to that. No, no. So investigators so far uh, have looked at about half of the 500 doctors originally identifying. Um, the majority are cleared. And there's been uh, formal accusations against 25 doctors, but there's hundreds of doctors still waiting more than a year later. Uh, it's unclear if the overall effect of the project will be good for patients. Some doctors have been so frightened by the letters, they've lowered their patients' opioid, do opioid doses or cut them off completely. And doctors are telling their chronic pain patients, find another doctor. Wow, so okay? the pendulum is swinging back. So it's going way back, and in fact, it's scaring doctors into not prescribing opioids, and that's not an ethically way to go forward. So, no. um, they're, 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 in fact, that's been true in other states. Doctors in North Carolina, Massachusetts also reacted like that, refused to treat chronic pain patients. And when the medical board there began proactively investigating doctors who prescribed high levels of opioids or if they'd had two patients die of an overdose the previous year. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, you know, I, I had heard about that from a client um, of mine that I still uh, have uh, contact with once a month who lives in Wisconsin. And she had encountered that after surgery, where because she mm -hmm. had years before been an alcoholic, they said to her, nope, we're not going to give you opioids. And so, wow. yeah. What an enlightened uh, perspective yeah. on the part of the medical profession. That's interesting. Yeah. I, mean, the, there, I, I do feel for docs in some regards, um, not much, but some. <laughs> Um, they're caught betwixt and between. They are. They're getting it from all sides. The regulatory side, do this, don't do that. And then maybe this is a good entree in our second part here. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know challenge. what? Okay. All right. Let's see. What do you think? All right. So ethics challenge. Ethics addiction counselors acting badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting badly. And, you know, if you are an addiction counselor or you know one and love one, get out your CCAP ethics code. Okay. Uh, if you have it at the ready. Um and we will have a link for this at our atypical. I love this section. And uh, so, look, I'll read this story. Okay. But I think it's very related. Uh, okay. We're just talking. Okay. About, so that's why I'm, we can just talk about all three of them at the same time. All right. So, talk about the pressure that docs are getting under, and here's what we're up against, right? Here's the problem. You talked about meals, trips, gifts, and right, all that stuff, right, and about what was it, one to twelve ratio? Of yeah. Docs yeah. Over prescribing. Forget the meals. Forget the trips. Forget the gifts. Okay. We're talking stripper turned pharma exec gave doctor a lap dance Ooh. to 
get him to prescribe okay. drugs. Okay. <laughs> Forget the free meal. <laughs> Forget that. We're I don't going want to lap eat your meal. <laughs> <laughs> the frequency of meals. I think we're talking about the frequency of lap dances. Uh, okay. You can't make this up. Uh, all right. Uh, Dr. Paul Madison, a friend of Trey Laird. Uh, <laughs> He's suspected in taking more than $70,000 of bribes from a drug company to churn out prescriptions for its highly addictive fentanyl. Not just fentanyl, fentanyl spray. Fentanyl spray, that's you. That just needs to be illegal. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, so they they wanted them to focus on more than just that, though, because this was really a whole apparatus that was being used to coerce these docs into getting kickbacks and kind of these... They're calling them dodgy tactics to get the doctors to Dodgy? Increase. Okay. Yeah. Dodgy. Yeah. Uh, I would say mm, salacious. Yeah. Maybe. That's a fancy word. So uh, here's the thought. Um, a single patient using the drug can produce six figures of revenue. Did you see, did you see that? Say that again. In other words. So in the name of profit, according to the New York Times, a single patient using the drug can produce six figures of revenue. So in other words. One patient. Yes. Six wow. figures. So that, that means hundreds of thousands of dollars oh my goodness. for someone who's who's not being very cool. So, okay. of course, as you know, this is very highly addictive. And here's the tactic they used. They hired attractive sales reps in their 20s and 30s, encouraging them to, I'm not making this up, stroke doctors' hands while begging them to write prescriptions. Oh, wow. Isn't that nice? <laughs> okay. It gets better, though. Oh, all right. obviously it moved on from just stroking their hands and begging them to a lap dance. Oh, my so goodness. So in court, you know, obviously this company is in big trouble. Everyone's in big trouble. Um, there's kickbacks going on. Really? Are you kidding me? Oh. Hefty speaking fees at the meals. They yeah. talk about it in here as yeah. well. Um, they, here's, the, here's a quote. They do not need to be good speakers. This is talking about the docs. Uh-huh. They need to write a lot of prescriptions. <laughs> So they could be so, really you boring. See what this is all <laughs> and if you're getting a lap dance, who cares? Oh, <laughs> well, I got a lap dance. I don't even have to talk. I wow. can just get a lap dance. Okay. So uh, let's see. There was one doctor in 2016, 18,000 payments, and totaled more than $2 million. Oh, my goodness. That went to headache doctors and back pain specialists. Oh, no. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah, yeah. So this was really Dr. Masson was running what they call a pill mill, you know. Okay, yeah. And they said he's extremely moody, lazy, and inattentive. Oh, yeah? The doctor? Yeah, (laughs) the doctor. Yeah. Moody, lazy, and inattentive. All right. Probably why he's in a strip club. So, So, uh, anyhow, uh, the the prosecutors uh, say uh, this, this person... Her name, Sunrise Lee, and I'm not sure if that's Sunrise. A I'm not oh. sure if that's a stage name or not. I like it though. Took a close interest in his practice. This is Dr. Madison. Oh, okay, the lazy and attentive. Yes, one. yes. Okay. And then Moody too. And Moody. She was a former dancer at a Florida strip club. It's always Florida. Why? Why? I know. Yeah, it or is. LA. It is Florida. Who was hired as a sales executive despite having no academic degree. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, her management experience involved running an escort service. <laughs> well, you know, there's. There's some coordination that goes with that. But she rose to the ranks. <laughs> to become an INSYS, this is the, the company, INSYS uh, Therapeutics, regional sales director. Ooh, regional sales director. Who knew, right? Uh, so this is the deal that was testified against her that she wore low-cut tops uh, around the dock. And during their initial lunch, the doctor, this woman, Lee, handed the doctor her business card and said, 
told him, hey, call me if you want to discuss fentanyl spray in, quote, private. Uh-huh. So they had dinner, you, you, you know. I think I know where that went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hands all over. I'll, I'll just leave wow. that part out. So whatever happened to the under, underground strip club <laughs> was more about what happened in the sales reps' commissions. <laughs> Yeah, I can go on, but wow, uh, wow, so Gary, we got ourselves a wow. We ourselves a okay, well, that was a great tie-in. What do you think? Yeah. Is there? Any, is yeah, that any, wasn't in the research at all. No, no. <laughs> any problem? Ethics, ethics challenge. Ethics challenge. Oh my God. Where did we start? Oh my goodness. Okay, well, we got all kinds of you know, um, advertising and marketing in a misleading manner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah. Uh, Inappropriate. Under boundaries, sexual Under relations, race. soliciting sexual relations, in a, engaging in a business relationship. Oh, dear. Harassing. Well, I don't think she was harassing him. No. I think he was a willing participant there. coercing him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How about the OH, failing to inform clients about financial policies, kickbacks and rebates? <laughs> yeah. Fee splitting. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. Go. Right. I, I would say she... It's that's wrong. that's pretty awful. I would say okay, that's and that's so us, isn't it? Oh, that it is, kind of case. That, Good that eye, one, Gary. Yeah. Good eye. Well, you know when I yeah. saw stripper. <laughs> when you see stripper and farmer, a farmer next to each yeah. other, you just go, huh? Yeah. What's that? That looks like our kind of girl. It's, it's, it's our kind. <laughs> those are our people. So, like I said, those other docs. That's small yeah, artillery. That's small. Meals, trips, gifts. Yeah. You gotta yeah. go with the strippers. That's if right. You really want to. You know, game. you got to up your game you now that now game. that the feds are watching. You want to make money, millions. You, you got to have yeah. strippers. There you go. You can't do it the other way. <laughs> uh, great business acumen. I know it's great. It's just it's like uh, anyway. I'll leave it there. So I don't know. I have another. Yeah, one. another one. Go ahead. Are we want to do it. Okay, we have time. So here's another ethics challenge. So again, clutch your 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 code of ethics. Okay, absolutely. Seventeen hundred ninety patients impacted by a phishing attack. Which I'm not sure. Is that like a Sharknado thing? Exactly. There's this fishing attack on L.A. Drug Alcohol Treatment Center. So this is a center in L.A. Again, uh-huh. we toggle between the uh, East L.A. and, and Florida. There it is. The Authentic Recovery Center. Authentic yes. Recovery Center. Their tagline. This is really, this is pretty witty. So okay. check this out. Start your new life. That's their tag. Start your new yeah, life. Start okay. your new life. Um, they're a for-profit, of course. Um, they responded to a phishing um, attempt, okay. which is very weird. And what happened is they ended up releasing 1,790 people's uh, personal health information. Wow. Yeah, this is not cool, uh, which included driver's license, contact information, some social security, data oh, birth, wow. um, some um, credit cards, you know, uh, info. Okay. So all you need to do is kind of you know, grab that and Grab and go, do oh, some shopping, dear. or maybe blackmail somebody. If you, I don't know, if you wanted to do that, you could do that. Well, myself. isn't that isn't that something that the fishing people are doing? Yeah, that's which what is trying to do. Yeah, take over, uh, shut down things, and you have to pay them a ransom. A ransom. Yeah, yeah to get yeah. it back. Like huh. I know you're in that center, and I know you're a famous person. Right. And blah blah blah. Wow. So that happened. Um, what's really interesting about this one is it is it's identity theft, of course, and fraud. Um, uh-huh. is what this is about, but what? This was not this was not as obvious. It is to me, but I wonder what our audience thinks about this. So we're on the on the, the level of, of uh, our CCAP ethics right. code. Where would we have a problem? Well, it would depend. The I problem would is, be, but. yeah, I would think the problem would be how easy was it to break into their 
to get their information? Well, like, yeah. Do they have firewalls or what do they have? Well, yeah. So we, I know for us, we have secure, um, they had no authentication. So we have secure oh. email. So you cannot, no one can just send you, a, they're not part of the secure system. Oh. So the fact that they got some phishing thing tells me they were not in authentication oh, my or goodness. any type of okay. secure email. So that's the first big issue oh, is that dear. they're using okay. unsecured email okay. to, to transfer sensitive client data. That is yeah. an absolute Whoops. no-no. That's just yeah, that's a HIPAA violation for sure. Well, that would definitely be under the the, the CCAP confidentiality, confidentiality where we, we really have to um, uh, maintain records consistent with the um, nature of the services, which yeah. they might have been doing. But really, it's what is it? Would you say two? Uh, the code, federal eight. 42. Yeah, CF, yeah. Uh, 42 CFR. 42 uh, CFR, and I would even say up. HIPAA there. And HIPAA for sure. Yeah, oh dear. Um, and they didn't have, they didn't maintain their records in a manner that, that was safe. Okay, well there we go. It's a, a note to those listening. Uh, you know, you need to pay attention to your records, particularly now that everything is, a, more yeah. and more everything's going through electronic records. Yeah, use your yeah. secure email. That's we we really about. do have That's to do that. No one's kind of scared. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was interesting. Uh, now let's uh, shift to our next section with an article about prevention. And let me find that. Uh, all of a sudden, I don't. Prevention. Prevention is me. Here we go. New Jersey is uh, expanding its medical marijuana program to include opioid addiction treatment. Uh, they've just made the decision um, to um, uh, use medical marijuana as a potential treatment to help people get off of the opioids. Um, so the New Jersey added five new conditions for prescribing marijuana, which included Tourette syndrome, anxiety, migraines, chronic pain related to musculoskeletal disorders, and then chronic pain of visceral uh, origins. So according to the new conditions, doctors can now prescribe ma medical marijuana to people with opioid use disorder resulting from the treatment of chronic pain related to muscle skeleton uh, disorders. Mm -hmm. So. I have spoken to a doctor about this. You have? Not okay. my personal doctor. I have spoken to a doctor in, in the field. Okay. And they have talked about this. We, we are not able to advocate that that's a possibility for clients under the law. Believe it or not, we cannot in California do that. Okay. Even though we've, we voted to make it legal? Yeah. We can't. It's not something we can say that, oh, if this helps you, then you can go ahead and use it or it would be okay. We can prescribe Marinol, which is the yeah. FDA one. They can yeah. do that, but they can't say, why don't you go down to right. to the dealer. Okay. Exactly. It violates uh, several regulations at this point. That is so, did he say why? Does he um, have any idea? I don't know. Is what, it because it's unregulated? I mean, he, I, mean I know, I'm I know about it's the regulation. He was, he was just, the doctor, yeah. his doctor was suggesting that, um, that he could say that, and I said that's that's cool. You wouldn't ever want to tell anybody that you're saying that because in California we can't say that. Huh. Yeah. You know that reminds me of our first show because we talked yeah. about how the veterinarians can't that's, say it either. That's right. Wow. That's right. But then you know you got this these happy hungry dogs. Well, you know what I noticed the other day at Petco? They are <laughs> they are selling they are selling um, uh, the uh, the marijuana tinctures now <laughs> over the counter. They are. But they do have a, uh, a sign that says... What are the dogs use? Well, <laughs> not really, that's the staff. But what they do say is that this is not uh, regulated, so we can't guarantee dosages, which mm -hmm. made my... I, I was a little concerned about that. Uh, I'd be like, concerned. Okay, that, that's always the issue, which sure. is what is the dosage? And so the way they sell it is for small animals, medium-sized animals, and big animals. 
Wow. So I, I'd like a little more specificity before I, you well, know. Well, I, I can be considered a big animal, so yeah. I, can, <laughs> I can do that. We can run on down to the pet yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm a small animal. You be small, I'll be a big animal. Well, apparently now, apparently now, Petco is, even though your veterinarian can't mention it, Petco's on it. There so it there you go. There you go. They've gone to the they, They've gone it. Okay. Well, you know, we knew, uh, you know, every industry in the world now that thing's legal is going to yeah, be getting in they, on it. They're going to be getting Right. In. So it's quite a, it's bringing up so many interesting things. And maybe this is for a future program yeah. where we, where we talk about pain and symptom management. And, and I find it so interesting in our modern society, we have so many people that are in more pain than ever in, in, in our history. It seems. Yeah. Well, I would say it's anti, I, I would say it's inflammation. Honestly, I think stress you know, unregulated stress creates enormous amounts of inflammation, which causes cellular breakdown. And I would say it's got to be connected to the stress. So, so you can't, yeah. you can't call anybody. You can't get, you can't stream anything. Cellular breakdown. Yeah, right there. I, I can't. <laughs> it's a party, folks. I, you know, I'm, I'm practicing with my students, by the way. One of the things I have them do at the beginning of class is they have to say goodbye to their loved ones. And then they have to take their phones and put them in backpacks and hide them so their thumbs can't get to them. That's nice. And we're practicing the concept of hiding from people who love you. Like, you know, when, when I was growing up uh, and as an adult, you know, I didn't have to talk to people. They could leave a message on the message machine yeah. <laughs> because there was no expectation of instant response. No, no. I have to think about it. Who, exactly. Who so now what we're going to do is, you know, we're practicing not talking to people for a whole hour and a half it's a lovely feeling it's, so that's part of the lesson they're getting and you know what they're doing just fine well their loved ones are handling it i think it's all good yeah you know? um in fact maybe that's something we can end with as our last section oh you know, okay being quiet and, and and all that also helps us be uh more human people but also uh, humble oh so humility, humility check, check. okay check i love week. this part and I, I've saved up several of them. Okay. I'm sure you do too. But this section reminds us, of course, that um, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Uh, it's really a key to burnout, and, uh, prevention, and humility. You, know, you bet. Things we have to do. So you want me to go first? You want go to ahead. Go? You bet. I have several, but I'll, I'll just give you one. Okay. Uh, many of you know I like to ride my bicycle. And, and the weather's been a bit foul here in California as of late. A lot of rain. Shoes get wet. So, you know, I need to dry them out. Uh-huh. There's all kinds of ways to do this, of course. Okay. Let them dry out. Let them air out. Put them over the heater. Let them dry out. And I found another way. It's really very effective over the years. Turn the, the you know, put them in the oven. You put your shoes in just the just oven? Low, 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 low. Put them in the oven. It's all good. Oh, so, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a buddy. I was going to go for a ride, you know. I better, I better dry these out. Uh-huh. And Because uh, I don't want to be in wet shoes when I go for the ride. So I'll just put them in the oven. Uh-huh. And I did. <laughs> and, uh. They were also a little bit dirty, so I thought I'd clean them up and get them nice, you know. I did that, and uh, all is well, you know. They're uh-huh. dry. I put them on, and uh, the inside had melted. Oh, no. And was in these little these little ribs, uh, ridges of, oh, no. of hardness hitting my toes. Oh. And it's too late. I have to go go meet my buddy. I'm like, I don't have time to put the shoes in there and try to reform the inside. And you only have one pair of and, shoes. Well, yeah. Oh, wow, Gary. So, okay. So I said, yeah, let's go to right. Hey, can we keep it kind of short today? Do I, I you know, maybe short as <laughs> I have rigid I don't want shoes. You to oh, no. I told him what happened. He's like, what are you kidding me? I go, yeah, no. Yeah, I bent my shoes. Oh, so I, I had to put them back in the oven and they took them out <laughs> and reformed them. Did they work? And yeah, it worked. Oh, my goodness. Sort of. Okay. I need new shoes. So, <laughs> yeah. 
That's yeah, ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Yeah, it was really bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. Well, huh. my, I have two related ones because it's just because they, they happened on the same day, Gary. This is very sad. So as you know, I got back from my from being uh, uh, overseas and I was a little jet lagged, to be fair to myself. It was Monday morning, and it was the first day of school, and so I was thinking, well, I better get up a little early and get myself kind of centered, because I was going to have to teach for three hours, and I had a brand new crop. And so I got up a little early, but I wanted to wear this black skirt, and I thought, well, I can't sit around in my black skirt, because I have, you know, cats are going to want to sit on me while I'm watching MSNBC. So, because <laughs> that's how we start. Okay, so I took off my skirt, put it on the chair, and then they sat around, <laughs> we sat around in my lap, on the afghan. And then I realized what time it was. I thought, oh, I need, I need to get going. So I bustled my stuff out, and I'm getting in the car, and I'm thinking, damn, it's cold out here. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down, and of course, Gary, I was wearing no pants. No. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. and I was my ass. And I was, okay. Were there there's... police cars there? Oh, there my God. So I'm standing show? there, skirtless, and I'm like, okay, well, I obviously cannot go teach in this situation. So I back in the house, you, put on the skirt. You were working, buddy. Yeah, I was... <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, that's some stupid shit there. But anyway, that's all right. I remembered the skirt, which would save me, okay? So I went on and I taught. I went on and I taught school, okay? And then I that afternoon I had a, I had a client that night. And so I had brought a little prize back for one of my coworkers. And so I saw her down the hall. And I said, oh, good, I'm going to... Oh, good. There she is, because she's only there two nights a week. And so I head down the hall, and I call in her name, and we're we're talking as I'm walking all the way down the hall. And don't I? I must have stepped on the bottom of my skirt because suddenly my skirt was again down around my ankles, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> that time the police showed up. I right? said, obviously, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> was, it, was it a decent or indecent? Oh my god! So I, I immediately picked up my skirt, and I just thank God that my clients didn't like, catch me like that because that would have been very, very embarrassing, Gary. No, yeah. You anyway, fortunately, go on handcuffs. <laughs> It's clearly I was having some serious. Did you, did you ever work for a, for a farm, farm farm company, pharmaceutical company? Have you ever been to Chicago? <laughs> so clearly I was not wanting to wear clothes on that Monday. No, I, I think we've probably both been in like some fog or something. All of these do that. You know, I think the I same do. day I, I did the shoe thing. I said I'm gonna have some pasta, so I get out some sauce. But, uh-huh. you know, do that, pour it out of a jar or whatever, and then uh, put the rest away. And uh, you know, for another day, uh-huh. I put it away in a cupboard. And, oh no! Put it away in her fridge. Put it back there. You know, I didn't know where it was. I'm like, oh, where is it? That's really gross. So it would have grown things. Oh, poor Gary. Well, you know, thank you all for tuning in for our ridiculousness, and hopefully you might have learned something, and certainly you know now to be wary of people who offer you free gifts. And uh, we look forward to, to hopefully, uh, tuning back in with you for our next in our next event. Um, hopefully we'll be able to tape next Friday. Indeed. Keep your clothes okay. on. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, keep your skirt on. <laughs> Bye-bye.